Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Are you the type of person who loves to treat yourself? You know, sometimes you just want to buy yourself a coffee, a fancy coffee. Sometimes you want to get a little extra legroom on the plane. You know what I mean? So if you ever treat yourself to the top options, other places like that, then why are we settling when we're finding a doctor? I know it's easy to fall into that rut, but your health is so important. Enter ZocTalk. ZocTalk is a place where you can find and book tens of thousands of top tier doctors, all with verified patient reviews. ZocTalk is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. There's no more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. You know we hate that. And these doctors all have verified reviews from actual real patients. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, which is so helpful. You can see who's located near you and who's available and who can treat basically any condition you're searching for. Plus, a typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 to 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. When I moved to LA years ago, I discovered ZocDoc because I was so tired of having to call all these different offices and wait. It took hours sometimes to figure out which doctor in town could help me and which one took my insurance, but not anymore with ZocDoc. I was able to find everything from a psychiatrist to a GI doctor, and I did that all through ZocDoc. And the app has only gotten better over time. I still use it. I still love it. I always recommend it to people, whether you have phone anxiety like me or not. It couldn't get easier to find a doctor with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash drink and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash drink. ZocDoc dot com slash drink. Hello? Fresh. Oh my gosh. Em, I found you. Finally, I've been seeking the interwebs everywhere. I've been I've been hiding out, but you got me. You caught me. <laughs> Folks, I realized uh, last time I did a dumb, dumb thing and everyone got real upset with Eva for the editing. And what really happened is that I recorded apparently from the m- microphone in my laptop rather than the super fancy, nice microphone directly in front of my face. So I apologize <laughs> if my audio was off. That's my bad. And hopefully this is a little better. Just an audio no is what I call that. An audio no is exactly what we like to call it. (laughs) And it's what I did. So hopefully this is better. I also, I know everyone's really like pissed about our new whale sounds. Um, (laughs) We're not. (laughs) We're not at all. I thought that was super funny. And I love how a lot of people think we're really dumb. And they were like, how do you not hear that, guys? You need to listen. Like, there's these weird sounds. And I'm like, I don't hear anything. Oh, people no, still, no. people still on like my Instagram lives have been like, did you know that there's sounds on? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I kind of knew. <laughs> I, we kind of did it. Um, yeah. So what happened was we recorded and we were not joking. Like, we really didn't remember that it was April Fool's Day. And then right b- the day before we uh, released the episode, Eva was like, remember that time we talked about putting fake EVPs in the background of next year's April Fool's episode. So Em and I just recorded them on our phone and sent them over. Um, I I was really proud of mine, but apparently nobody's been able to figure out what they say. Um, um, I don't know what I, yours said. 
I, so I didn't, here's the thing. Even I didn't know what mine said because I was frantic. Like I found out that we were going to be recording little EVPs and I was like, God damn it. Like, what can I say? That's funny. And so I did all of mine, all of my spirits were um, in the, where um, I was portraying the character of Megan in the afterlife. And oh. so all of mine were saying like, it's just funny. And she smells like a dead uh. fucking body. And then at one point I did throw in a like, a that's bananas. Okay. People heard that one. Um, people heard Ben. I think the bananas one's the only one people heard. I did a lot that were directed at you, Em, and they said things like, uh, did you, were you, I don't know if you listened to it, but. I heard, I think, I think if I heard it correctly, it's Lemon's world and we're just living in it. Yeah, that's my favorite one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I I challenge you, if you have not heard it, to go back and try and uh, decode some of them because they're special, super special messages that um, I, off the top of my head, don't actually remember, but they're really, really important that everyone figures out what they say. So. Well, so if we weren't social distancing, I actually, I had a genius idea in those five minutes where I was like, if I were to see Christine before the episode comes out, I would hide something in her house. So that way she could like, like she wouldn't know what I was going to say. And she would hear all these like little hints. And I would like put you on a treasure hunt through the ghosts. Wait, the ghosts, what? Like I would have said things. I, my, oh, well, like, I thought you meant you'd put like a recording device in my house. I was like, I think that's illegal. Huh? No, more like uh, a lemon or something like that. Oh, I would like a tre- like a surprise. I get it. Yes, my little audio clips would have been like treasure hunt clues, but alas, that did not happen. Alas, we are still many moons apart. No, but one day I'll I'll get you on another treasure hunt or an escape room or something. Oh God, I'm still recovering from the last one. Me too. <laughs> anyway, how are you doing, Em? Uh, how am I doing? I'm good. My sleep schedule is wildly fucked up. But oh, other no. Than that, um, other than that, my, like, sanity feels about the same. That's good, um, I think. Yeah. Uh, hmm. My ukulele playing is good, not great. Okay. Um, I have found uh, a couple Pokemon cards I'm into. I've been doing more Ancestry stuff. I've been getting back into learning about Greek mythology, which is really super cool. Nice. Um. I'm watching Desperate Housewives. Having a good time. What are you doing? That sounds pretty fun. Um, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Um, I've been attempting to make uh, more stuff because my brain is just really full and I need places to put it. So I put it in front of everyone's ears and eyes. (laughs) Um, So I did a little Instagram poll yesterday to see what people thought I should put on my new YouTube channel, you know, Mm -hmm. the X. Files is what it's called. I came. Someone came up with a lovely name for me. Genius name. Um, and made some art for somebody else. Made some art. It's really. I'm really excited about it. Um, so in addition to my cautionary tales, I'm going to start uh, just talking about either conspiracy theories or reading creepy people's like creepy stories or I don't know. Just just uh, throwing some stuff out there. Actually, I was thinking of doing a um, you know a get ready with me, but for my 2007 homecoming. Oh my goodness. Edition um, where. I talk where I do my makeup as if I were going to, you know, a dance in 2007 when I was going through my scene slash emo phase. Mm. So we'll see what happens. But I'm just kind of going absolutely mad over here. So that's pretty much where I stand right now. I think the more ridiculous, the better. I'm thank you. I think I think you'll the homecoming one will definitely. uh, I don't know. Hmm. 
Hmm, I don't know. <laughs> I will say I used to like this is awful. I used to like instead of buying eyeliner like a normal person, I used to take mascara and just smear it along the bottom of my eye to make I, it was really bad. Who are you? I know. So this is why it's going to be a very interesting experience. Hmm. Um, but anyway, so thank you to everyone who's been super supportive of that. I've just been working a lot on that, and um, I tried to do a puzzle, and then my cat launched every single individual piece off so that Geo could eat them. So that didn't go very well. Um, but otherwise I'm doing great and um, I am so dearly missing my best friend M that's me Uh, yeah I tried facetiming you last night because I was bored and then you didn't respond I felt bad I felt bad I woke up to feed the dog at 5 30 this morning and saw you had called and I was like oh I'll facetime you back no it is 5 30 in the morning that's a terrible (laughs) idea I will not be waking up for that uh but yeah I but other than that we're doing okay I know this week is supposed to be the worst week coming up. I read or, that, yeah. So I'm, you know, thinking about everyone. Hopefully, everyone, hopefully, hopefully, everyone's parents are listening. By the way, and like, like listening to you and like staying inside because I know there's a lot. I was of- like, Em, why are you hoping parents are listening to this? We never, we never hope that parents get to hear all the terrible crap that comes out <laughs> of our mouths. But okay, no, but there are apparently a lot of. Uh, we're, we're in a weird space now where all of the kids are having to parent their parents and make them stay indoors. It's true. So I've seen. It's true. So I, I hope everyone's doing a good job wrangling their parents and keeping them locked away. Locked away. All right. Well, interesting choice of words <laughs> on a true crime show. Um, but yeah, no, I hope you guys are all okay. We're uh, thinking of you and um, hoping, you know, we can distract you with our the weird shit we're putting out on the airwaves. Yes. Uh, I have a story that is actually going to be a two-parter. So hopefully... Oh, oh, wait. I forgot to say the patron of the week. I'm sorry. No, no. I forgot to alert you is the thing. I just always I... forget. I get distracted. Am I the am I the patron of the week? Yay! No, because I've I have <laughs> your Patreon donation come in, Em, but the day it does, I'll tell you. You'll be my patron of the week. Okay, good. Uh, uh, the patron of the week this week is Charissa Davis. Is that how you pronounce that? Charissa? Charissa. Charissa makes more sense, maybe. I don't know. Carissa? Charissa. It's C-H-A-R. Like Charizard. Listen, don't you say things like that. (laughs) Don't you work your way into my heart that way, Christine. Not again. Not here. Not now. Well, I like to call them CD. So uh, CD, (laughs) thank you for your lovely donation. It means a lot to us that you've been supporting us for so very long. Um. Oh, and I forgot. This is totally separate, and this is just another me going back to myself again, and I apologize. But I forgot that I, I created a custom URL for my YouTube channel, and it's youtube.com slash xteenfiles. So Perfect. hooray for that. And uh, if you have stories, you can email them to my cool new Gmail, which is thexteenfiles at gmail.com. And people are already sending me cool stuff. It's super fun. Oh, nice. Um. Anyway, so that's the end of me, um, you know, talking about myself for now for these for this very moment. But I'm sure we'll be back to it soon. Awesome. All right. Well, I think that's it on my end. All right. Cool. Bye. Okay. Well, it's been real. Uh Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. I am 
so thrilled that we are working with Fast Growing Trees. I spent about an hour and a half on the website trying to decide what I would love to order from their products. They have so many options and you can actually filter it by zones, by growing zones to make sure you know it'll work in your garden. Um, they have everything from massive privacy shrubs and trees to very, very specific flowers. I actually ended up ordering a lilac shrub for my garden. I recently discovered how much I love the smell of lilac and so I thought, you know what? Perfect chance. Why don't I get some lilac growing in my yard? I think it's gonna smell beautiful. And I also got my mom a little lavender plant as an Easter present. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code DRINK at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code DRINK at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code DRINK. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You know when you've got the holidays, the new year, and then all of a sudden it's sort of back to the grind, especially if you run a small business, it can be really hard to get back into the swing of things. But Stamps.com is here to make that a little bit easier for you. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. For 25 years now, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses, whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, podcast branded koozies, maybe that's just us, or anything else. Get access to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to, get this, 89% off USPS and UPS, how could you go wrong? We have loved Stamps.com for years, not quite 25, but since we started the podcast, which was 2017, and we could not get by without it. I remember there were days where we didn't have Stamps.com, those I call the dark ages, and I was hand shipping everything and driving it on my lunch break to the post office. It was all very hectic. Stamps.com, I do it straight from my house, and it makes my life a trillion times easier. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code DRINK for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts just go to stamps.com click the microphone at the top of the page and enter code drink so my story is a two-parter like i said um the second part is probably going to be a little lengthier so next week will be a little lengthier um this one just based on how it got broken up but um this is a location Uh, This is one I actually just found by like perusing random websites and like it just kind of I was like, oh, I've never heard of this. And now I don't know why I haven't heard of it. So um, this is the mystical Mount Shasta. Oh, what? What is that? So Mount Shasta is apparently in Northern California. Oh, it's a mountain. It's in Siskiyou County. Okay, And it's a dormant volcano. Isn't Shasta like a soda? Yes. Shasta Cola. Okay. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Got it. Okay. Just curious. I don't either. But it would be fun to like take a picnic on Mount Shasta drinking Shasta, you know? I think that's something stupid that we would waste a lot of time and energy doing and be very proud of. Yes. Slash will do. Slash we will Slash will we'll be doing. Yes. Uh, so uh, Mount Shasta is a dormant volcano. It's one of the highest mountains. I think it's the fifth highest mountain in California. Um, it is. It has seven glaciers. It's one of the largest peaks in North America, and it's almost 15,000 feet tall. Oh, my. Um, it is. Uh, let's see. Oh, geologists say that if it were to erupt again, because apparently it there's a chance that it will erupt again 
And if it were to, it is so massive and the eruption would be so bad that it would be a worse volcanic eruption than Mount St. Helens. Uh-oh. Oops. So That's not good. <laughs> it is um, recognized as a Native American cultural and cosmological property. Um, oh, wow. On the National Register of Historic Places. And the artifacts that have been found there suggest that at least 11,000 years of human habitation have been there. Oh, my God. And, like, that's a conservative number. Some numbers say it goes all the way back to, like, 5,000 BC. Holy shit. Um, and so, well, I don't think that's actually farther away. I think 11,000 11, is a bigger number. So, um, <laughs> listen, I'm not going to question your math. <laughs> listen, humans have been there for a long goddamn time. Um <laughs> Or at least creatures have been there for a long time, which I will get into. So uh, that actually makes it one of the longest occupied areas on the continent. And the mountain is sacred to a lot of nearby indigenous tribes. Um, I think there's about six of them. Uh, there, One is the Wintu tribe, the Atsuwegi tribe, the Achamawi tribe, the Klamath, Klamath tribe, and the Shasta tribe. And the Modoc tribe. So there's a lot of nearby tribes. I think that all their territories kind of crisscross on this mountain. Um, and so they all still have their own personal ceremonies and rituals that they perform there. And a lot of them believe that Mount Shasta is actually the center of the universe and is the home of our creator. Oh. Um, so there's a creature, not a creature, there's a spirit named Skell, like skull, but with an E. Mm-hmm. And who apparently in a lot of these tribes, I don't know if this is all of those tribes' beliefs or some of them, but amongst those tribes, there is a spirit named Skell, who is the spirit of the above world or the heavens. And uh, Skell came down to Earth one day and uh, created Mount Shasta as like a stepping stone to get down from heaven. <laughs> so like, oh, like a stepladder. Like, like a stepladder. And uh, and once Skell got here, um, Skell made the entire world, like made the trees, made the animals, made the made the, the rivers. While Skell was down here, uh, Skell ended up having a fight with a spirit named, I think, Liao, uh, who is the spirit of the below world. So they like oh. the spirits above and below came to Earth to have this big fight. And uh, so the spirit of the below world lived on Mount Mazama. So I guess the uh, the spirit on Mount Shasta and the spirit on Mount Mazama or Mazama were fighting and they were throwing hot rocks and lava at each other and that kind of repre uh, represents the, like the volcanic eruptions that have happened on both mountains. They say that those uh those eruptions came from these spirits fighting with each other. Oh. And the eruption on Mount Mazama, I'm saying Mazama that might be wrong, but so the eruption that happened on the mountain that the spirit of the underworld came from, that eruption created Crater Lake. Oh, okay, got it. So I bring this all I, I bring this all up to say that um, a lot of these tribes think of Crater Lake and Mount Shasta, which I'm talking about, um, think of them as like kind of polar opposites, where Mount Shasta is seen as like this hub of like blessings and life force and the beginning of creation. And a lot of them think that crater Lake is actually like a hub for evil. And that being said, I did look up crater Lake and I'll have to do a story in the future because there's apparently a lot of dark paranormal activity mm. that happens there. So it kind of validates what a lot of these tribes have said about crater Lake being potentially evil. Oh my. Um, 
So I bring that all up to say that Mount Shasta is, because it's the home of the creator, according to this, uh, this lore, is that one, it's one of the seven most sacred mountains in the world. Um, Mount Fuji is its sister sacred mountain. Fun fact. Fun fact. And it's uh, one of the seven most sacred. It has a focal point for energy vortexes. And the reason it's one of the seven most sacred mountains is because like the seven chakras of the body, apparently the earth also has seven chakras, which I did not know about. <gasps> I didn't either. So apparently these seven chakras of earth are all different locations on earth that are like the most energy powerful spaces that you can go to um so the most important chakra if you're looking at a list of all of them the first chakra apparently is called the root chakra which is arguably the most important because it's the first one that like grounds you and where you are and uh, creates like balance and strength and safety and all that so if you if the root chakra is off kilter then like a allegedly the rest of you is all fucked up so uh -oh. I, i'm thinking my my root chakra is probably like broken and somewhere else you probably lost it um, in my house <laughs> i never even had it <laughs> so um so fun fact mount shasta and the on earth's out of earth's seven chakras mount shasta is the root chakra so it's oh. in theory the most important of these seven locations so the root chakra in a human is at the base of the spine, again, because it grounds us and balances us. Right. Um, and so that means that since it's the root chakra of Earth, it is the base of Earth's energy. It regulates universal life. It keeps balance amongst good and evil. And um, it makes sense since it's the base because some tribes say that it is like the center of the universe. So everything would have come from this to begin with. Okay. So fun fact, uh, in case people are wondering what the other roots are the first one like i said is mount shasta the second one which in a human is the belly button below the belly button mm -hmm. uh on earth that is lake titicaca in south america oh um the third one which is usually above the belly button or like the solar plexus mm -hmm. that is the olgas in australia the fourth one which is uh the heart in a human is glastonbury and shaftesbury in england which one's burbank <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the 69th one um oh my god <laughs> jk jk <laughs> sorry my brain just went to like what's a funny number um I, okay. truly i almost said 420 <laughs> but then i was like this is too much this is too much you told all the adults you told all the parents to listen to this so uh, listen up I guys come to, to burbank the 69th chakra of earth lol um <laughs> So the the fifth chakra in a human is the throat, but on Earth it's the Great Pyramid, aka your favorite probably. So I'm sure you would love to go visit love it. the throat chakra of Earth. Um, I would. And then the sixth one is like the your third eye or like the base of your nose. Right. Um, and that is Ka'i Malek Sai in Iran. Okay. Wait, not the base, right? Not like above your nose, right? Like between your eyes. Like I, I think it's like kind of like between your eyes, like kind of above yeah, your eyebrows. Like, That's what I always thought your third eye was. Yeah. And then the final and seventh one is uh on a human it's the top of your head, but on Earth it is Mount Kailash in Tibet. Wow, I had no idea about this. If you wanted to go to any of those seven, they are in theory, um, based on I guess like chakra knowledge and like chakra studies right these are the seven most powerful places on earth because that's where all the energy vortexes align that's so cool which bring i would argue it's an interesting question that if those seven places are like doing the best or like 
functioning the best, like economically and all that stuff. I wonder if like the, the rest of the world would kind of align too. It'd be interesting to think like, oh, if they're the seven chakras, if those spaces are. Oh, I see what you're valid. saying. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. It would be an interesting. We'll never know. But it, it's a thought. Well, we can do that after we go drink Shasta at Shasta Mountain. We can uh, Mount Shasta. We can just go align. All, yeah, we can go align seven of fi- the, the best Yeah, we'll landmarks. fix the economy at all those seven landmarks. <laughs> I don't think it'll be that hard. But first, the Great Pyramid. The throat right. chakra, of course. The best. So uh, many say that Mount Shasta I've said this before, but just to recap, it's full of vortexes and portals and is known to assist people in spiritual transcendence. And what's interesting about this is usually when I talk about places that have um, some sort of energy uh, condensed in that space, it talks about like mindful or consciousness transcendence. But with Mount Shasta, not only is it like a spiritual uh, place, but it's also known for potential interdimensional travel. Okay, so, now I'm very interested. So hence the energy vortexes, there's also a lot of, in theory, interdimensional portals that will take you to different locations or to different realms. Oh, so it'll be it'll be easy for us to get to all of them. Yeah, you don't even quickly. need a plane. You just hop, hop, hop. Got it. Uh, <laughs> so through all this, obviously, it's also known as a paranormal hotspot, um, just because a lot of people go there to meditate, a lot of people who are super open-minded and believers in the supernatural come here. Um, in 1971, it even became a Buddhist monastery. There's one called Shasta Abbey on the mountain, or at least nearby the mountain. And um, in 1987, there was an event there called the Harmonic Convergence. Um, and it actually put Mount Shasta on the map as one of the modern New Age destinations, because apparently it already had its like spiritual reputation. But after that event, so many people came that it was for a little bit at the end of the 80s considered a New Age Mecca. Oh. And it still kind of holds that reputation in some places that it is, I guess, the harmonic convergence, that one big event itself was deemed by some reporters as the spiritual Woodstock. Oh, so that's fun. So a lot of people come here specifically for mindfulness or, you know, whatever reason they're there. But that also means that there are a lot of fringe religious groups who like to gather there, a.k.a. cults. Um, oh, oh so there's a, a lot of people there who maybe um, I don't agree with <laughs> entirely. I don't know what the PC way of saying what? that is. But uh, a lot of them think that... I mean, I think I don't agree with is a pretty, pretty uh, careful way to say Thank it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm trying to be careful. Uh, <laughs> for all I know, someone lives near Mount Shasta and like knows people in these groups. So, so a lot of people seem to think that maybe they can ascend towards enlightenment um, and like think they can like travel through different dimensions and portals and they are uh, a superior race, if you catch my drift. Um, oh my yeah so we're gonna get into it so some uh actually now capitalize on the spiritual nature of mount shasta obviously um the second that white people heard about it i'm sure that's just when it became a massive tourist destination um they now run vortex tours and there's a lot of retreats there although i have looked online and a lot of those retreats are apparently like a lot of bunk um apparently you'll pay like hundreds of dollars very expensive super expensive because you're told like we're gonna go on this tour where you're gonna see another portal and then it's literally like a meditation class oh geez and like it's it again kind of is part of the definition of a fringe belief 
where like if you pay all this money and they put you in this meditation class and you don't see the portal, it's because you didn't care enough or you weren't passionate enough. So Okay, that's like the ideal way. Yeah. To, <laughs> yeah. That's just like a cop out, like the ultimate cop out. Oh, you're just not good enough at it. Exactly. Like, you don't care enough. Exactly. So um let me think. Let me see. Uh so again, I don't I don't think I have to say this, but I'm sure all of these like weird tours and uh, meditation transcendence retreats are against the indigenous people's wishes. Um, (laughs) Some tribes actually believe that Mount Shasta is thought to be too powerful for ordinary people to visit and very powerful spirits live there. And so if you go there unprepared for that, um, especially as like just a random tourist, then you might get yourself into some trouble um, with people or creatures that live up there that you shouldn't know about or interact with. Mm. And sure enough, by the way, Mount Shasta was described once at in a in someone's like review, like back in the early 1900s, as a religious indigenous icon, and quickly became one of California's must tour, must see tourist destinations. So um, leave it to shitty white people. No, so right. uh, we're sorry. <laughs> so since the uh, 1900s, a lot of people have gone there. Um, whether they're practitioners and like maybe they believe in some sort of occult or, or um, Wicca. I know a lot of um, people from those worlds go there and believers in the spirit and the supernatural in general go there. Approximately. I saw on one website that 26,000 visitors go a year now. Wow. Um, And now I'm going to explain why it's so powerful or why it's so interesting all the things about it so well now i feel like a dick for saying we're gonna go drink soda there <laughs> i think that's the kindest most tame thing we could do there compared to the other bullshit that people okay. are doing. i won't touch anything i'll just sit and observe how about i tell you i'll tell you all of this like all the things that other people are doing and then you'll be like yeah we should go and only drink soda <laughs> like we'll be and, like okay. not We'll be like, so we'll be bouncers. We won't let anyone else in. Yeah, we'll be, we'll throw our soda cans at them and then recycle them. I was going to say, yeah, but not litter. I promise. <laughs> but not litter. No, no, no. We are probably going to be the, the least threatening uh, people there. Oh, so, that's rare. We're usually the most threatening people anywhere we go. <laughs> <laughs> at least emotionally. We definitely like to drain oh, people. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Mount Shasta is an extremely powerful, or it's at least claimed to have extremely powerful energy vortexes that happen to also crisscross with ley lines, which is what, which is what makes it super duper powerful with energy vortexes because it's the two of them crisscrossed. Right. Um, The the energy here is said to quote uh, revitalize the spirit, enable deep meditation, cause vision quests, allow spiritual guidance, allow interdimensional and or metaphysical travel, enhance one's ability to astrally project and to channel spirits. Wow. Okay. So obviously with all of us being kind of like hippy dippy and granola, mm-hmm. I understand mm-hmm. the, the, the intrigue of wanting to go. The appeal. Right. Um, so there are reports of some people even being drawn to the mountain by some uh, unexplained force and when they get there they don't even really know why they came to begin with oh um many people also believe that mount shasta's water has great healing properties and there have been reports of fairies and nymphs when they have been oh. near water when people have been near water people have also reported orbs metal crafts touching down onto the mountain people have experienced dancing lights some people have said they've seen griffins like oh. those big ass birds um and they've seen some Bigfoots. So we're going to get into all of that. But people have also reported um, 
a reversal of gravity. So there's something wrong with the the magnetic fields there because your car will go uphill by itself in some areas. Oh, people believe that the energy supply there is actually not just known on Earth, but it's actually been heard of in other galaxies and has become the base for some extraterrestrials when they land on Earth. They will go there first for energy supply. Oh my god. Um, People think that it's, again, a portal to other dimensions and it's connected to ley lines that are as strong and similar to Stonehenge. So some people also believe, because of all these like weird conspiracies, that um, there are top secret military installations that operate there. And that's why it's so hush-hush and you're not allowed to go there. uh, Or like people say you can't really go there, but then people go anyway. Um, And many cryptids. So some of the creatures that live up there are lizard people, which I think we talked about a couple weeks ago. Yeah. About how some people think they're like lizard or like reptilian people live under the ground and like built the cities and all that. Um, There's also giants called shoopchets which apparently live in all of the tunnels that were made by lava during the last eruption oh wow apparently there's creatures named yaktavians who use sound waves to manipulate reality oh my god and there's some in uh some indigenous tribes there also believe in a race of little people that are known to specifically guard mount shasta and they can become invisible at will okay so just they their whole job is just to guard the slopes of the mountain and they can just either become invisible and reappear at will or they can just like vanish and teleport at will so all right interesting the cryptids there uh especially the bigfoot it's a subspecies of bigfoot um that is hyper intelligent can also turn invisible at will and is known to some tribes as the matagami matakagami um they're eight to ten feet tall coarse hair brown eyes smell really bad and uh there are just a couple of counts of bigfoot that i'll tell you about but there's one woman who saw a female of matakagmi give birth oh and another time a, which must have been terrifying to watch yeah and a uh one of them has also approached two men that were camping and he gave them a crystal he, the 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 mata the the ma- gave the men a crystal. Yeah, he just showed up and gave the two characters a crystal. Ooh, okay. What's interesting about this subspecies of Bigfoot? I don't know if this is universally understood or if it's just the ones that happen to live on Mount Shasta. But a lot of the Bigfoot sightings in the Mount Shasta area happen to, I guess, make Bigfoot look like he is he associates with aliens. So uh, oh. the Bigfoots in this area, um, I guess in other areas, usually you just see something that looks like Bigfoot walking through the forest and then you never see it again. Or sometimes you see a footprint or sometimes you hear a sound. Right. But at Mount Shasta specifically, people will see these big Bigfoot, big feet. Um, <laughs> and so I was waiting for you to, to test it out, to test out the big feet, plural. Bigfoot. Big, big <laughs> and... Uh, they materialize out of thin air before your eyes. They have been known to fade away before your eyes. They have been known to levitate. Oh, geez. They have been seen passing through solid objects. And they are often known to interact with spacecraft. Damn. So a lot of people have said that the Bigfoots that live here like, will like, like walk onto UFOs. Like It's like a whole other level of Bigfoot. Let's just walk, walk right on. Um. The 
Mount Shasta is also home to, quote, ascended masters, which is where we get into some of the fringe beliefs here. Right. Um, So ascended masters are people who think they are or believe they are enlightened and have uh, been, like, I guess, granted access to the know-how on how to transcend into the fifth dimension. Oh, sure. Yeah. So Me too. (laughs) Right. Um, so they think that they are kind of a, a superhuman of sorts. And so the real first time that people heard of Ascended Masters was in 1930. And I'm going to take a little bit real quick to tell you a story about this guy named Guy. And uh, I know. And his name's Guy Ballard. Apparently, some people see him as the father of the modern New Age movement. Oh. I'm kind of skeptical to say that because he ends up creating... Uh, one of the first new age movements or one of the first new age organizations that doesn't really sound like something I would join, but he is apparently known as one of the first people to be involved in the new age movement. So got it. In 1930, uh, he went hiking on Mount Shasta and he ran into a man. He thought he was another hiker, but then he quickly realized that this man was no ordinary person. And as he thought that the man smiled as if he telepathically knew that that's what what guy said and then the man said to him telepathically again he so he's saying the stuff in his mind now so guy's hearing this in his head right he hears my brother if you hand me your cup i will give you a much more refreshing drink than spring water drink this and it's shasta (laughs) it's shasta cola (laughs) and this has been a long advertisement promo code drink (laughs) promo code drink uh And so uh, instantly his cup was filled with a creamy liquid, which I don't know how I feel about that phrase. Yuck. Guy drank it and he said that he felt an electrical vivifying effect on his mind and body. Okay. Um, The man says to him, that which you drink comes from the universal supply, which exists everywhere about us. It is subject to, and this is a quote, by the way, this is a quote from Guy's actual book called Unveiled Mysteries. And this ended up being kind of like the Bible of his organization he created. Okay. Uh, So this is a quote from what the man said. That which you drank came uh, directly from the universal supply, which exists everywhere about us. It is subject to our conscious control and direction. It is willingly obedient when we love enough because the universe obeys love. Okay. Oh. Uh, Okay. Whatsoever I desire will manifest itself when I command it in love. If I were, if I wish to use gold, gold is here. And then I guess as he said that, all of a sudden gold just appeared in this guy's hand. Oh. And so he's basically saying, if you learn to love unconditionally, then you can manifest anything. Whatever. Okay. So. <laughs> You'd be a great like PR person for this new age group. Whatever. You get it. I'm saying it as I'm rolling my eyes. Like uh I love steak unconditionally and it does not show up in my goddamn hand. Well, I'll tell you that. I think you're just not trying hard enough. That's exactly it. I didn't spend enough money. So but yeah. I told you sign up on Patreon and finally you can get all that your heart <laughs> desires. And you can just manifest a bunch of steak and shots of cola. So Here's where it gets extra bananas. So the guy then says, watch me closely and I will reveal myself to you. I guess it's like, it sounds like he's going to flash him, but he means. Yeah, I don't love that. 
I think he means like, I will show you my real identity instead of the disguise I've put on for you. Uh-oh. And so, uh, as Guy is watching, this man soon turns into St. Germain from the 1700s. Oh, okay, sure. So, so now we're apparently actually looking at the real St. Germain, uh, who died in 1734, fun fact, but he is just kicking right now. I guess so. So we're now learning that St. Germain is an immortal, is, is what we're hearing. Um, so while Guy is trying to process the fact that he is staring at someone who should have died like 200 years ago, um, Guy hears a sound behind him and a massive black panther approaches him. Oh. And obviously he's terrified, but then he feels this overwhelming sense of love sweep over him. And all of a sudden this ray of light made out of love shot out of his chest and shoots out at the panther. So it's like projecting love onto this panther. Okay. He no longer feels afraid. And within seconds, the panther, uh, apparently they both understand each other. And then the panther rolls over like a playful kitten and guys petting him. And they're now like best pals. Okay, sure. Because he, I guess, experienced only love and persuaded the animal to not attack him. Mm-hmm. So St. Germain says that, uh, congratulations, you passed the test of courage. I projected this panther here and he would have never hurt you to begin with, but I needed to know how you would react if you saw a panther by yourself and you were able to love it unconditionally and manifest safety for yourself. Um, and so now, because you passed that test, I will now allow you to mo- move further into enlightenment. So now they're going to, uh, St. Germain's going to teach Guy more about enlightenment oh my god i need a tylenol i wish you could see my face right now i'm like trying to follow this i feel like i should be writing it down a lot of information so saint germain apparently gave guy these little cakes to eat and the cakes were actually like they must have had some sort of psychedelic in them because they were then going to help him understand the teachings better so i don't know if they like had like Adderall in them or something to help him focus. That could be actually. That's probably a good guess. But listen, to do these notes, I needed Adderall. I, I know. Like, <laughs> I, I was like, where's my little cakes of Adderall? I need a little cake. <laughs> also, we do not condone uh, taking drugs that are not yours. No, um, no, 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 no. Uh, but so he eats these little cakes. He's all of a sudden like wired and ready to learn everything St. Germain has to teach him. And St. Germain basically says that he has been looking high and low across America and Europe specifically to, uh, of course, not super high or super low, maybe high and low, but not East and West. Um, and he says that he has been looking for someone worthy enough to pass along the information that he wants to teach about the great laws of life. Mm -hmm. Guy apparently proved himself worthy in that one test. And now he and his wife and their son will now be honorary accredited messengers mm, for St. Germain. Okay. So the wife and kid just get to ride along. Yeah, so they, they literally right. did nothing, and they're just on board. Sounds fun. Um, so apparently Guy and St. Germain met many more times, and Guy got to see his past lives. He claims that he was George Washington. Oh, my God. And St. Germain said that he was part of a brotherhood. Okay. Apparently, this brotherhood is a group of spiritually advanced beings, aka ascended masters. And just to give you a little more detail into what these ascended masters are, 
They are immortal beings who've lived many lives and no longer need to reincarnate because they have learned to master the physical realm. You know, I actually know a lot, not a lot, but I know quite a bit about Ascended Masters from my uh, Akashic Records courses. Does, is what I'm saying, does it sound accurate? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's all I knew, basically, like the basic definition of it, but. So I actually wanted to, so I'm going to actually ask you questions in the next episode about your Akashic Records because that does come up and it's nothing that like, no, it's nothing that like you would need to be an expert about. I just want to make sure that I do the notes correctly, but. um, Study up. No, no, you're good. But, uh, but so my, some people let, I guess, that I would agree with more have said that the Ascended Masters probably actually do exist, um, in Mount Shasta, but truly as like spiritual beings who cannot communicate with you. So this is like a, a lot of people think that this story is a wildly elaborate version of like this guy I see. maybe meeting one of his ascended masters. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally does. Okay. Because a lot of people are like, this guy did not meet St. Germain from the 1700s <laughs> multiple times, eat cakes of like, psychedelics and then see a panther and then it became a kitten and now he's george washington like a lot of people a lot of people think that this is probably like he did not drink a creamy liquid from an ascended master he probably did like a meditation and like saw his spirit guide or something and that's all i mean i'm willing like i'm willing to believe that he ate a psychedelic and saw a quote-unquote panther (laughs) that's i think that story makes some sense to me you know what you're right (laughs) Uh, but so anyway saint germain is saying that he is one of the ascended masters and these ascended masters call themselves the brotherhood and they've been looking for like a human representative to pass all their information along to so guy ends up learning about uh he ends up learning saint germain's plans for what saint germain and the brotherhood call the seventh golden age Mm. and the seventh golden age is also called the I am age. Okay. And this is where it starts getting fringy. So Guy, after hanging out with St. Germain so many times, takes all of these lessons he's learned and builds a an organization out of it. And it's called the I am activity. And a lot of people have kind of combined it into Christian principles with mystical intuition, where if you either meditate enough, then like you'll be able to like, you know, see things that others can't or whatever it is. Sure. Also combined with fierce nationalism. Uh-oh. Where America is spiritually superior than all the other nations. Yikes. Oh, boy. And so this ended up becoming the foundation for Guy's spiritual movement uh, called I Am Activity, and it offered ascending master teachings. Um, and in 1938, the movement had about 3 million members. They used his book, Unveiled Mysteries, as their text. But only like a year later, the movement quickly died out because Guy passed away. Oh, Um, okay. So the movement was also apparently, I only found this on one website, so I don't know how true this is. But apparently the movement was allegedly charged by the U.S. government for swindling followers out of like millions of dollars. Oh, that sounds about right. In a matter of a year. And uh, so... That being said, the town does still offer Guy's personal writings his and like the writings that he had channeled um, from these Ascended Masters and the art and the music that he had learned from them. And apparently the music will, is known to alter your consciousness, enhance clairvoyance, and astral projection. Okay. So 
again, I'm interested, but like the whole story before all this stuff kind of makes me not want to believe in any of uh-huh. it. You know, I have a yeah. I have a lot of doubts. Um, yeah. That being said, that's the story of Guy and the Ascended Masters. Apparently, a lot of people believe the Ascended Masters live up there, which I would like as much as I'm kind of like knocking this because I really don't want to like align with a with a fringe activity um or mm-hmm. uh, a cult maybe <laughs> but or a, na- a nationalist a yeah, nationalist American group nationalist. Yeah. um the i will agree that based on what a lot of indigenous people believe of that there are spirits that live up there i don't think it's a far stretch to think that spirits and ascended masters spiritually at least not physical forms of them right i do think that a bunch of spirits live up there and if you know one group of believers deem them ascended masters while someone else calls them something else sure i'm all for that I just, I, the, the story, it's almost like he gave too much detail and it made me doubt everything more. (laughs) Yeah. It became a little much, um, and potentially racist. So that part's not great. Probably probably a little racist. Um, (laughs) so, uh, other than Ascended Masters and Cryptids, UFOs are also regularly seen here, um, where people have seen dancing lights, mysterious flares, mysterious flashes, Orbs, metallic crafts, glowing objects in the sky, cigar and jellyfish-like airships, silver airships that are completely silent, Ooh. and fleets of lights maneuvering in the sky. And they've seen all of this and all these things have been reported, quote, since long before electricity even existed. Oh, interesting. So they were like, what the hell is that in the sky? <laughs> What's Crazy. electricity? Um, apparently there's also UFO conferences that have been held on Mount Shasta. Uh, the last one was actually only last year. Um, what's interesting about these extraterrestrials is that they apparently might be a different type of extraterrestrial called an ultraterrestrial. Oh. So, uh, UFOologist John Keel, he's a very famous UFOologist. Mothman. Yeah. Prophecies. He, um, helped coin ultraterrestrials as a term. And they are, um, intelligent extra-dimensional species so also a little like extraterrestrials, but they are more closely tied to the human race. Um, they are able to probably compared to extraterrestrials, ultra terrestrials are known to manipulate portals instead of traveling through space. They travel through dimensions. Okay. Um, and they only manipulate portals that take them to specific places on earth, which would make sense why these seven, seven chakras with all these energies are also known to have all these UFO activities and paranormal activities because they might each have a portal that all of the aliens are hopping to from place to place. Sure, hopping, yeah. Yes, I don't know, jumping, time jumping? <laughs> I like hopping. Um, so ultra-terrestrials specifically might be the ones that are going from portal to portal on Earth and um, or at least to all the locations on Earth that are known to have weird energy anomalies. So this could also explain, oh, like I just said, this could also explain why um, there are certain places that are hotbeds for UFO and supernatural activity because they might have portals, which means that aliens or, or ultra terrestrials are going there all the time. Okay. All right. Um, some say that it's not just UFOs and strobing lights that they see. Um, although, like, so a lot of people say that they see UFOs flying into clouds and disappearing. Some say that they see the UFOs flying straight into the mountain, which is interesting because they also said that they saw Bigfoot or um, Bigfoot subspecies walking through solid objects. And now UFOs are also flying through solid objects. Oh, yeah. Some people think the clouds and the mountain themselves might actually be UFOs. 
I guess a lot of the clouds that sit on top of the mountain are really weirdly shaped and aren't really seen like that anywhere else. Oh. And these, again, these clouds have been around forever, like for like a century, that people are like, this doesn't look like a normal fucking cloud. Right. And I guess they're called lenticular clouds. And because this is a literal mountain and it's such a mountainous area, I guess the clouds, when they sit on top of mountain peaks, they look very abnormal because they almost look like like an inverted dome shape. Oh. Almost like a cereal bowl upside down or something like that. Weird. Um, and so because they look so weird, this whole area gets a lot of UFO reports and a lot of people, a lot of the people that they report them to are like, yeah, that's just a cloud. <laughs> that's not a UFO. <laughs> it's literally a cloud. It's, it's become regular where people are like, no, there's a oh, UFO. No. And they're like, no, it's a cloud. <laughs> that being said, a lot of, um, uh, I guess alien enthusiasts think that, uh, the UFO or the clouds themselves might be UFOs in disguise. Like they might be, um. So I guess the best way to describe it is that UFOs are either flying through the cloud so that they can hide themselves as they're docking on the mountain, or the cloud itself is one massive UFO that's always hovering over the mountain. And like, it's like almost a big ass garage for the tiny UFOs that are landing everywhere. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I get it. And so these clouds are sometimes known as the quote, silver fleet. And the Silver Fleet are, in theory, interdimensional UFOs in disguise as clouds that were built and owned by these creatures on the mountain called the Lemurians. Okay. And the Lemurians are who I'm going to talk about next week because there is too much information about that. So, Damn, I was like, you need to tell me what that is right now. I guess I'll have to wait. But in theory... The clouds that are all over Mount Shasta are actually the silver fleet that are built and owned by Lemurians to look like clouds, or at least something like clouds, but they're actually interdimensional UFOs in camouflage. Okay, this is intriguing to me. That was a lot of information, and I went left, right, and diagonal, and I'm so sorry, but (laughs) this is why this is a two-parter, because I'm telling you, reading, first of all, I've been social distancing. Today is day 23 for me Uh since I've been in isolation. And so I thought I was cracking before I read all this information. (laughs) And I I had to keep rereading it being like, I'm sorry, what is going on here? So you're just dragging (laughs) us all down with you. I get it. I just want everyone to lose the same amount of sanity as I have to. Uh, I think we're right behind you. Don't worry. Anyway, next week, we will be talking specifically about the Lemurians on Mount Shasta. That was extremely interesting. I feel like it's different than what we usually do. It was, I was trying to do something energy, mystical, mysterious. Yeah, I love that kind of stuff, as you know. But a- apparently this whole town, like everyone, like, no, like, yeah, it's a tourist attraction now. But a lot of people that live nearby, they're like, oh, yeah, weird shit happens all the time. Like, we're oh, just so, weird. We're so used to people thinking there's UFOs everywhere. We see like random weird people out in the mountains that don't really look like people. There's like weird Bigfoot oh. things. There's, um, I mean, apparently it's just normal for them. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, if you live out there, send us an email because I want to know. Yeah, for sure. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. 
Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues, and Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right. Well, um, I have quite a tale for you today. Listen, I hope so, because I ran my mouth for far too long just now. (laughs) No, I loved it. And I feel like they kind of go hand in hand because today I'm covering a cult. Oh. And the cult is called Heaven's Gate. Thank God. I have wanted to hear about this one for so long. (laughs) I'm so excited about this, especially because it's a UFO based cult. So this is like (gasps) really goes hand in hand with your story, I think, a little bit. So I'm an ignoramus and i have always thought i've always thought heaven's gate and jonestown were the same oh no I, oh i know i'm wrong but i always put oh, them I in my head and so when you just said that you were going to cover heaven's gate part of me was like we literally covered that in the very first episode, <laughs> <laughs> episode i told you we're all losing it i'm just gonna do them all over again <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if I did that over again, I don't think any of either of us would remember what the hell. All I remember is something about you selling a monkey or sell me a monkey or All I know is like something. It, it was never red Kool-Aid. It was purple Kool-Aid and I never knew. That's right. It was great. Flavor-Aid. great. It was Flavor-Aid. Flavor-Aid. You're right. You're right. Um, well, there's no Flavor-Aid or, uh, or um, I was going to say Gatorade. What the hell <laughs> am I talking about? Uh, what's it called? What am I doing? kool-aid jesus i was like (laughs) no i was like trying to think of the word kool-aid i was like i literally forget the word okay (laughs) i'm so sorry i'm back here with you now i am going to be covering heaven's gate today and um i will say i list i finally listened to a podcast i've been wanting to listen to for a long time um called heaven's gate podcast and it's hosted by glenn washington who hosts uh the spooked podcast which is like one of the scariest best podcasts 
ever. Um, and I just love that show. And he has an amazing voice. Um, and he hosts the uh, Heaven's Gate podcast. And um, it's really good. And they do a lot of interviews. So it's like more um, more in-depth than one episode that I'm going to do. But uh, he actually was raised in his own kind of little cult. Like his family was sort of in a very culty religion. So he kind of adds a lot to the story. But so listen to that podcast um, after this, please. <laughs> um, and anyway, so. I'm going to tell you now my version of Heaven's Gate. So to give you, well, let's just start from the beginning. I was going to give you an overview, but I feel like it'd be more fun if I just kind of build up into it. (laughs) So the founders, let's start with the founders. So the founders are a guy named Herf, Marshall Applewhite, and Bonnie Lou Nettles. Okay. Man and lady. They were both born in Texas. Uh, They met in 1972 uh herf sorry he has such a weird name that and there's red squiggles under it so i gotta zoom in okay (laughs) herf was born in 1931 um he was the son of a minister presbyterian minister so he had a very uh strong interest in religion starting at a young age uh he actually got a ba in philosophy in 1952 and then enrolled in seminary school to study theology uh, he got married and had two kids, and then he left seminary to become a singer, Okay, but uh, was drafted into the army in 1954. Mm. And in 1960, once his service had ended, he uh, got a master's degree in musical theater. He's all over the place. Listen, so, so was my goddamn now- story, so. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so, and then he saw a panther. No, 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 there's no panther. Um, so he earned a master's degree in musical theater from the University of Colorado, moved to Manhattan with his family, failed at his singing career, and instead moved to Alabama to uh, take up a position as a music professor. So basically, all that to say that's that backstory kind of plays into what ends up happening. But okay. he is fired from his job at the University of Alabama for having a same se- same sex relationship. Aww. And I know. And in 1965, uh, his wife finds out and divorces him. So he moves to Texas to teach at another university, but is forced to resign in 1970 once again for being in a same-sex relationship. Wow. And instead, he decides he's going to run a sandwich shop in New Mexico. Why the hell not? Why not? At this point, I'm like, you tried singing, you tried priesting. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just make a sandwich. Make a goddamn sandwich. Unfortunately... Apparently, he was really bad at making sandwiches. Oh, boy. So, like, literally. So, his shop failed. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. I know. It's pretty sad. So, he went into, like, a really bad debt. Um, and then his father passed away. And he is just in a really bad place, really struggling financially, emotionally, etc. Um, and then, so, we're going to leave him there and go back real quick to Bonnie Lou Nettles. Okay. She was born in 1927 to a Baptist family, but wasn't religious growing up. And she became a nurse and married in 1949 and had four kids. In 1971, uh, she began to claim that, this is interesting, um, a 19th century monk named Brother Francis started speaking to her regularly. Oh, boy. And uh, telling her what to do. So... So, much like this uh, guy in the Shasta, the Mount Shasta, she uh, claims she met a dead monk and he told her, you know, what to do with her life. And um, the next line is, this strains her marriage, which I imagine it would. (laughs) Does it? (laughs) Would it? I don't know. I can test it on Blaze. I'll test it on Blaze later and let you know what happens. 
Um, tell him, tell him that the monk says hi. <laughs> I'll tell him he doesn't want me to talk to you, Blaze. <laughs> Uh, by early 1972, uh, Bonnie starts holding these weekly seances. Uh, she starts visiting fortune tellers and studying theosophy, astrology, and the occult. So she's like diving headfirst into this whole world. Yeah. Um, yeah. And some sources assert that a fortune teller at this point tells her that she will soon meet a pale, mysterious man and that this would be very important to her life. Oh, boy. So in March of 1972, guess who she meets? A pale man. Herf. Our pale man, Herf. The the uh, the sandwich extraordinaire. The, sandwich, the very pale sandwich extraordinaire, as I like <laughs> to call him. Um, so the two of them meet in 1972. And there are actually, weirdly, two versions of how they meet. And they're extremely different. Hmm. Uh, so according to uh, Herf... Uh, he visits, he's visiting a friend in the hospital. And like I said, Bonnie was a nurse and she's a nurse in the NICU. And apparently by chance, according to him, they met in the hall when they locked eyes in a moment of shared recognition of esoteric secrets. Oh, so like not really love at first sight, more like, like <laughs> theology at first sight. That's yes. It's much like how you and I met actually. I mean, yeah, the second our the second our eyes met, the world imploded and we learned all of the secrets of like the underground people. <laughs> and then that monk showed up and it was just all downhill from there. <laughs> um so some some researchers and journalists actually believe that the hospital he was talking about was actually a psychiatric facility where Herf was a patient. Checks out. So that is uh one twist on his tale. Okay. However, Bonnie's children have an entirely different story and they say their mother met Herf at a college where uh, he was teaching theater and where Bonnie's son was a student and she gave Herf an astrological reading Yikes. and it showed him that their stars aligned and that they were meant to ha forge a path in life together. <laughs> so either one is a little weird. Um, They're definitely both unique. <laughs> either is weird. <laughs> They're both unique. I think that's true. They're both like quite a story at a wedding toast, you yeah. know, like, oh, let me tell you. <laughs> um, so whichever one is true, uh, Herf believes at this point that he has met Bonnie in a past life. And she tells him in turn that their meeting was foretold to her by extraterrestrials. Okay. So things have uh, really quickly turned into some chaos. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> they believe they have a divine mission to help the world and they create a belief system uh, to support that assertion and create their kind of own religion, for lack of a better term. Well, of course. And uh, of course, why wouldn't you at this point? Um, I'm just going to kind of give you an overview of their whole belief system to tell you uh, what exactly they believed. So. The belief system was derived from Christian sources as well as the New Age movement and sci-fi culture. Wow, we both we really like accidentally picked the same exact topic this time, huh? Isn't that that's kind of weird? Yeah, I feel like this happens rarely, but when it does, it's like pretty strange. <laughs> it's because um, our eyes met and we just knew, right? Our esoteric secrets blended together, and uh, <laughs> at the oh, it was at the uh, the sixty ninth chakra in Burbank. That's right. where we're, that's where our <laughs> ley lines met. Okay, now I'm just throwing out words. Okay. I love it. <laughs> um, so they create this belief system. Uh, it developed over the course of 25 years, but basically uh, here's a summary of Heaven's Gate theology. 
So they believe that a long time ago, nice space beings from a distant galaxy called the evolutionary level above human or Tela Mm -hmm. arrive on Earth. And the galaxy is called Next Level, uh, which is actually what the Christian Bible describes as the kingdom of heaven. Okay. So the kingdom of heaven is described as a physical level of existence in deepest space outside of man's concept of time and beyond this human level. So they believe that the Tilla turn earth into a garden and they plant all life there, including humans. So humans are like their plants, sort of. Sure. Like sure. they like, uh, you know, they tend to them. They tend to. Exactly. Uh, earth is a training ground for potential new members of next level. And a metamorphic process will occur in a select group of humans or quote unquote plants who were created with body and spirit. So these tele gardeners uh, <laughs> gave their plants free will so they could choose their own direction of growth. And the free will gave them three options. Option number one. You can separate from extraterrestrial God and be, quote unquote, spaded under like weeds. Okay. And uh, they believe that God, well, I don't know why you would pick that one, but um, okay, <laughs> I guess you, you could if you Your wanted. Your choice. <laughs> Your choice. I'm not going to judge. Um, they believed God was not a spiritual deity, but the wisest and most powerful of all Tilla and commander of their techno- technologically advanced Starfleet. So mm. take that uh, for what you will. The truth, and, obviously. Um, the truth, right. The, the <laughs> end all be all. Um, now, number two, option number two is to overcome human condition and leave this world behind for next level. That's the other option. And then finally, your third option is to join the opposition called the Luciferians. Oh, boy. Um, wait, that sounds a lot like what you were. What was the name of the, the, the lemur things that you were lemurians okay well these are called the luciferians and um apparent apparently they're evil extraterrestrials who work against tella and uh they actually believe lucifer was an early earth plant who graduated to next level then rebelled so i mean basically like the actual biblical story of lucifer that he's a fallen angel sort of but instead he's a fallen plant i guess i don't know so they think he's a plant that went to next level, then rebelled against their god and was expelled to form his own group, the kind of oppositional evil group. And um, apparently they're also capable of space travel, but with lesser spacecrafts. I see. So they're just not as good at it. Um. Oh, my God. This is just it's headache inducing. I probably should have warned you. So <laughs> it's OK. I didn't warn you a goddamn once about Mount Shasta. We're really pulling everyone into some chaos. We really should have really <laughs> saved these stories for when people were like on their mental game and not like slowly like falling away from humanity. I know. Not just like questioning whether they're actually hearing this or whether it's just like being made up in their subconscious. <laughs> <laughs> this is your reality check everyone right okay um so basically that is their main belief system they also believe that every six thousand years the earth is harvested and then recycled aka annihilated okay and they believe this happened with adam and eve and then every six thousand years this happens with a new adam and eve like a new mm-hmm. two plants that then, uh, you know, build up the whole process again. And they think that th- this is done every 6,000 years because the earth gets overrun with weeds, I- a.k.a. the people who stray from God. So this is, I know you're not going to understand this reference, but this is like 
fucking Infinity War. This is like oh so- really. <laughs> Well, because so Thanos, he believes that like the world is like overpopulated with like just overpopulated in general. And so when he snaps his fingers, I know you've seen him snap fingers. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's because he wants to get rid of 50% of humanity, whether it's good, bad, completely like non-judged. Wipe them out. Just wipe out 50% just to like at least start over and like and see how the world recreates itself from that 50% that stays. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's pretty similar. Um, except he wipes out everyone. Right, exactly. They think it's kind of the same idea, except they wipe out everyone and then start over with new plants. Um, gotcha. But yeah, I mean, it's a pretty similar idea. Okay, that's how I'm going to refer to it in my head I was gonna so say, I keep this all. <laughs> that gives you like a little <laughs> reference point to use, I guess. Right. <laughs> I wish I had one, but oh well. No. Nope. Uh, <laughs> nope. Shasta Cola, that's what you get. Shasta Cola is all I'm going to grip onto with my with my fingers. It's like white knuckling. Yes. White knuckle it. <laughs> Last resort. Oh boy. Okay. So they believe um the Tella visit their plants uh to give them direction and encouragement every 2000 years to like try and realign them, you know, to the correct way of living. Because mm. I think this is like a breeding ground to try and get people to graduate to the next level with the extraterrestrials. Right. Gotcha. Uh, and they think that these over these weeds, quote unquote, are often used by Luciferians to sow discord mm. and uh, draw regular plants to the dark side. So they think like basically evil is working through the world and pulling people to the dark side and the Tella just want them to be good and so they keep visiting every 2000 years to try and fix it and then every 6000 they just start over okay so the tella identify plants that have the potential to graduate to the next level and they're made up of two parts so uh each plant or person basically is uh made up of a body which is just like the vessel or the container and then the spirit or the software of the, they call it the software of the informational mind. So basically like a soul or a spirit, okay. which is inside the body. So graduation to next level requires um, a third part. Oh, sorry. I guess not everyone has a soul. <laughs> the third part, <laughs> you require a soul. And this is kind of like a microchip or a seed. And it contains all the information for metamorphosis. And plants that receive a soul are chosen for potential by telegardeners. Oh, my God. This is just so... Wait, Han, say that one again. <laughs> I know. Sorry. Okay. I'm just like... No, you're massaging okay. my third, my third eye right now. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you mean you're the Olgas from Australia? Yes. Yes. Oh, God. Okay. So, basically, they believe that people are made of a spirit slash software that's inside a vessel, a body. Mm-hmm. And they believe that certain people or plants are given a soul and those people are eligible to be graduated to those are, the next those, level. If you have a soul, you have the software that allows you to to, yes. to grow again. You have a microchip, I see. if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so plants that receive this soul are then have the potential to be graduated with the Tella. But since the plants are too primitive to understand the soul's information, the microchip, they instead act as a homing device so that the Tella representative can find them, the people with the soul, and then um, come and, this is the literal quote, shed their genderless extraterrestrial bodies and attempt to take bodily possession of the worthy plants. 
wow. Was, <laughs> am I happy that gender was genderless? Like, I, like, where do I begin? I know. There's a lot happening here. So uh, they're called away teams. These. So wait, can you say that again? No, the train's leaving the station. I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, the, the train's just like kind of like trying to halt real quick. And it's like, not, it's, it's skidding. The train has driven directly off of a cliff. Uh, <laughs> and I at the bottom. Um, so to, they think, okay. So, uh, okay. Basically, you they believe well. that. I just need to hear it again. I just no, need to hear no, it I, I think I need to hear it again out of my own damn mouth. Cause wow. <laughs> Um, so they believe that plants, okay, I'm just gonna say humans, that humans are too primitive to understand the information that their soul has, the ones that have souls. Uh-huh. So instead, the soul is like a little chip that acts as a homing device so that these tele extraterrestrials can come find them and deliver them, basically, I see, and help them shed their bodies so that they can, um, you know, ascend with the so the soul can release yes so the the microchip can go off with the representative correct yes and um wow. so they both so that's what they believed so once this is how by the way this is how you know something's a fucking cult because if you have to explain it in full immediately <laughs> to someone like the, like clearly like the way that the only way that people have like entered this organization was because they were spoon-fed this very gradually right bit by bit you for know, it to kind of start making sense. I was going to say that earlier when you were talking about um, the the panther thing. And then you kind of – you told the whole story and then you summed it up in one sentence. And you said, oh, yeah, this guy drank some milky fluid <laughs> and then saw a panther and then ate some cake. And, like, when you said it in one sentence, I was like, holy shit, that's insane. But, like, when you kind of pieced it all out in, like, a long story, it, like, you forget how crazy Yeah, it it's like if you let, <laughs> like, if you meticulously make sure that all the right information is heard in the right order, then, yeah. yeah, anything can probably sound not too crazy. But if you're giving someone, like, a Cliff Notes version of something and it sounds exactly. bananas, it might be a cult. Like, well, just... and I have, like, a deep-seated obsession with uh, Scientology, like, just learning about it, understanding it. And it's a really yeah. similar idea, like, that's why they don't release that information because they don't want to be like, hey, by the way, Xenu, uh, you know, all these pe- – it's like a similar idea where they're like, well, no, you learn that as you go through so that you can like slowly believe well, it. Well, they also they, they also frame it as like, oh, once you've ascended, then you can know this piece. And then once you've ascended – so like it makes you feel like you have a goal to right. work to to graduate and then you're like honored and you should be proud of the fact that you get to know information others don't. Right. And it like distracts you from the fact that like if no if they just gave you all the information yep. at, at one time you would not believe them. if the if the <laughs> like every time the media is like so you believe that Zenu is an alien god whatever and they're like no of course not but like then when you start <laughs> learning about it that's like literally what it is right <laughs> uh, so that maybe I'll do a an episode on that soon I've been wanting to for a long good time. luck because that's a long one that's gonna be a rough one yeah um. So anyway, so they believe that plant, like, right? So they're gonna the people with the souls have a homing device that the tele extraterrestrials every two thousand years come to Earth and say, oh, these are the ones that are have the potential to come with us to right. the next level. In my head, I'm hearing it as human souls are GPS. Yep, and a representative is going yep. to come down and collect all the GPS tracking devices. Yes. And then once you have all of the tracking devices turn into souls or our souls, but they no longer have a body or a form and they will now ascend into better versions of themselves. 
Right. They will ascend to literally a different planet or like a different part of space. That's their heaven. Right. Okay. So, yes, that's exactly right. So once this plant, so they believe that when the homing device goes off and the tele extraterrestrials find them, they take the bodily possession of them to kind of help them shed their bodies. Mm. And they believe that once a person is possessed by a tele representative, the plant then goes through, quote unquote, classroom because they have to override their like base human instincts, like their lower being. So like they're trying to shed their humanness. um, And so they have to go through like a classroom sort of situation to learn how to leave that part behind. Um, And so if the plant is able to endure this classroom transition, they will then join the representative, like you said, on the journey back to next level once the mission is complete. Mm. And you can only make it to next level when you're attached to a tele. Okay. So uh, if it becomes necessary, this is kind of the um, the big the big glaring red point on this whole uh, this whole belief system is if it becomes necessary, a plant may have to shut down itself to make it to the I next see level. Where this is going right. So they believe Jesus. But that does, I'm sorry. Hang on. That so that doesn't make sense to me. In like it, their own beliefs in my head are not like there. I found a plot hole. In okay. My mind okay. Because isn't it? Isn't so? You just said that they will take all of these souls and basically put them in class to like like get rid of the indoctrination that yep. like being a human gave them. Right. And then and then only then if they can pass that like. A boot camp right and like become like be nothing but complete uh ethereal souls again mm-hmm. then if that doesn't happen then they're not welcome to to go to the next level but now they're saying like oh wait now i'm confused so so then oh now you're confused then, interesting so <laughs> then at the next part you're saying is like metaphorically at least humans have to kill themselves to help release their soul yeah, so basically that's the end of the classroom is like you learn how to shed your human body oh, and that leads you to kind of the final step of okay, I'm finally willing and able to shed my human body and I am committing to this and this is how I will perform it. So I guess is their argument then that like your the GPS tracker or the homing device in your soul is not actually turned on until you're dead? Uh, no, that's just the soul is just a way for the Tella to find you and say, okay, you are you are a being that is able to ascend and you have the knowledge within you to be able to ascend. Got it. Um, okay. And yeah, I guess like really, yeah, so I guess you shed your your human body and then you become this genderless extraterrestrial creature. Mm-hmm. I see. I and see. are taken to um the next level sorry it's really hard for me to like wrap my head around <laughs> irrational <laughs> information <laughs> i know i know it's, it's hard for it's me to logically lot. understand illogical information um but yeah because it, it sounded at first like they it doesn't matter i'm with you now it doesn't matter okay well welcome <laughs> to me to where i am because i don't know where the hell i am but i'm glad you're with me now. yeah um uh yeah so basically that's kind of what they believe um and again this took 25 years for them to kind of develop this whole theory uh to its fullest and i again i'll say like if you want to learn more there's that um podcast called heaven's gate where they go through like 
I don't know, 11 episodes to discuss all of this. So it's much more in depth, you know, and like they interview people who explain it. And so it's, it's obviously a lot more in depth um, and spread out, but we don't have 11 episodes to do that. So I'm just throwing it all at you right now. So in late 1972, uh, Herf and Bonnie begin their divine mission by opening a metaphysical bookstore. And in 1973, they decide instead they're going to close up their shop and take to the road to start recruiting disciples mm-hmm. with their new doctrine. Oh a very 70s behavior. Right. Um, so they uh, they require their disciples to uh, give up, or they call them their crew members, basically, Yikes. to give up all of their worldly possessions and material things. And uh, they do this themselves. Bonnie divorces uh, her husband and abandons her children. And uh, they're actually, mo- three of them are grown adults at this point, and one is still a teenager. And she's actually interviewed in the, um, her name's Terry, and she's interviewed in the uh, podcast. And it's really sad because she was like, my mom and I were like best friends and so close. And then she just left. Um, wow. Yeah. And it's pretty tragic. And so then uh, he, Herf and Bonnie travel around preaching. Uh, they went completely broke in the process and they started resort. Uh, they started camping or skipping out on hotel bills to try and make ends meet. And in August of 1974, they're arrested on charges of credit card fraud and auto theft because they rented a car and then kept it. Uh, And so Bonnie's released, but Herf spends six months in jail. And after that, once he's out in March of 1975 in Ojai, California, Bonnie and Herf recruit a mother and daughter to their emerging group. And uh, the next month in April, uh, the two of them refer to themselves so Bonnie and Herf start referring to themselves as T and Doe. Oh, boy. Yeah. And sometimes they call themselves Bo and Peep, which is just worse, I guess. Gross. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, but T and Doe. And they they hold a recruitment meeting in the Hollywood Hills where 80 people attend. And 24 people agree to meet them in Oregon in two weeks. And they do. So 24 people go from California to Oregon to meet them there. They're like that convinced. So now this small group, which uh, alternately goes by the names Human Individual Metamorphosis, or HIM, and Total Overcomers Anonymous. Total Overcomers Anonymous. Those are the two names. They, I guess they just can't decide. Um, (laughs) How could you? There's so so many other important things to focus on in this weird world. (laughs) I know. It's like fucking stick to a script, man. (laughs) Okay, uh, they start leading a nomadic transient lifestyle, and they have their followers. And um, in June of 1975, uh, Herf and Bonnie just decide to uh, abandon their followers in Sedona, Arizona. They're like, bye, we're <laughs> done with you. Okay. I don't know. I, yeah. Let's just consider and them then, lucky. Uh, Let's just consider them lucky. I, honestly, though, truly, and some of them, they interview people who like, quote unquote, got out and are like, what the fuck? Like, Yikes. it's really fascinating. Um, and then in September of that year, so a couple months later, they're back in Oregon and Bonnie and Herf hold a UFO convention with the promise that a spaceship is going to land. And it does not. <laughs> we guarantee it. <laughs> they did. They literally promised it. And then it just didn't happen. What a shock. And um somehow they got 30 more people to join the group. Because <laughs> they were so convincing so, last time. 
<laughs> so convincing. So they left town for Colorado uh, to wait for, they said, oh, wait, the spaceship's actually going to land in Colorado. <laughs> so funny. then they leave for Colorado. And here's the interesting part is that these 30 people uh, just pieced out of Oregon after this UFO convention. And it made national headlines because basically people were like, hold on. They had a UFO convention. Then these 30 people just fucking left. Um, and it generated a lot of negative publicity for the group. Um, they had like Walter Cronkite on oh. you know, a recording of him talking about it. It's super interesting. Um and so at this point, they're like super wary of the press and they decide to go underground uh, to kind of avoid the stigma, the public stigma. Yes. And by doing so, they lost three quarters of their now 100 member strong group. Wow. So they're only left with like 25 people. Yikes. Um, the the ultra believers, I suppose. Sure. So in the early and like going underground, basically part of that is like you're not allowed to contact anyone from your past life. Like you need to be like off the grid. And so, you know, a lot of people obviously didn't want to agree to that. Um, and so in the early 1980s, the group finally sticks to the script and adopts the moniker Heaven's Gate. I see. Yeah. They start living since they're not working. They start living off several members trust funds. Ooh. Much to the pride of their parents, I'm sure. Right. And uh, many members cut off contact completely with families and friends. Um, members were required to be celibate because sex was considered mammalian. And um, they, you know, are trying to shed their human. They're like in the classroom at this point, basically. And they're trying to shed their human uh, base instincts. Right. Um, so they take on what they saw as a genderless appearance in clothing and hairstyle. They all had this like same haircut. Um, all wore like the same kind of just baggy clothes. Anything human, uh, such as affection, was discouraged, and everything was regimented to the minute. Even apparently, they dictated the proper diameter of a pancake. That's how strict they were about Ew. like the rules. <laughs> yeah, Yikes. Um, they were allowed to watch. It's it's just beyond like strange. Um, they were allowed to watch some movies and tv and uh it would it was only content that would prepare them for life on spaceships hmm. oh boy so they were allowed to watch close encounters of the third kind star trek and later cocoon and that was and they so they got really into star trek they were like trekkies also <laughs> on top of everything else like truly really huge fans um and then in i it was 1986 and doe or bonnie's daughter terry the one who was a teenager was in college and she received a visit from some of the members of the group and she's like i was trying she was interviewed in the other podcast and she's like i was just trying to have like a relaxing evening and all of a sudden these like people showed up and they were like oh we're members of heaven's gate your mom's you know the founder and we're members and we just wanted to check on you yeah. and she cares so much about you and she was like what the hell and she's like yeah they were being really weird and evasive and they started talking about how like she had a yoda doll and they were like oh your mom loves yoda and she's like what do you want <laughs> why are you in my room <laughs> like my dorm room basically and um and then they mentioned casually like oh and by the way your mom had to have surgery to like lose she lost an eye what and uh Bon uh, bon um sorry terry was like wait <laughs> what and so she kind of was like they tried to skip over that and she said just as a gut instinct she said is my mom dead 
And she's like, I assume they would be like, oh, God, no. But they just went, yes, she's dead. And she was like reeling like she was in shock. And it turns out her mom had died of liver cancer a year earlier in 1985. Oh, my gosh. And since and basically they were here to tell her in so many terms that her mother had passed away. And uh, she had even the, the worst part is that but in that year she had called to talk to her mom and everyone was like oh no she's really busy it turns out she had been dead at this point so like oh my god they were just lying to her and she had no idea now i also think it's interesting that they even like went out of their way to go tell someone that their mom died because if their whole thing is like oh we, we don't care about affection we don't care about caring about each other so but like interestingly bonnie like didn't follow her own rules like she would mail stuff to her daughter secretly all the time and mail her money and like uh, write to her that she loved her and so i think since she was the founder she was like you need to tell my daughter that like once i pass you need to tell my daughter and so since they believe she's like their guru or whatever they felt like they had to and so she was actually uh, unbeknownst to to them breaking her own rules and like writing to her daughter, sending her money and saying like, don't tell anyone where this came from. And gotcha. Yeah. And so uh, I think they were kind of instructed to buy Bonnie um, before she died. And like, this became a huge issue because the whole point was that they were going to be ascending and like it wouldn't happen until everyone was ready and the aliens would take them. And now Bonnie was dead. Right. Well, also like well, also, like, on a personal level, too, of, like, them all having to, like, lose contact with everyone they cared about, but, like, their own leader didn't have to. Right, right. Oh, that part, too. Yeah. And so she was bringing her own rules in it. And so um, uh, Herf was, like, the only one left. And he actually considered Bonnie above him. Like, she was kind of the top leader. And then he was uh, kind of her sidekick almost. And so mm. when she died, he went through, like, his own crisis and was like, well, shit, like... Now I've got to run this thing. And like she was supposed to guide us to the next level and now she's gone. Um, and so it became he was devastated. Um, and it was just like really it sent a lot of them reeling. Um, and you so would think, though, you would think that they would um, that like like he shouldn't be devastated because he shouldn't be showing human emotions. Like you would think he it would be like, oh, well, she's already passed on before us. And like now she's already meeting us there and all this bullshit. Yeah, so that's kind of what he did. Like he he didn't really uh I don't think openly admit to that. Um but he basically changed the the doctrine and mm. said like, "Oh, don't worry, she went ahead of us." Gotcha. And we're just going to follow her. But he was reeling too cuz he's like, "This is not part of the plan. Like this right. is not <laughs> like her dying of cancer was not in the original plan. This is not how she said it would happen." And so now he's like, "Shit, I'm stuck with all these people that have been following me for years." And I need to comfort them and say, no, no, don't worry. Like, she's waiting for us. But did he, was he starting to have doubts at all, you think, of being like, oh, well, everything she, like, prophes- like prophesies is not happening? Yeah, so actually, I think um, a lot of people speculate that he did start to kind of question it. And um, Terry, for what it's worth, thinks that her mom had started um, becoming disillusioned with the whole thing uh Mm. before her death because the way she wrote her letters she kind of said like one of the letters actually said um whatever you do stick to uh stick to a you know a normal path get a career like blah 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 start a family Mm. don't abandon your whatever like her instructions were very like opposite 
to her daughter of like what she did. And so Terry was like, I think she started regretting some things and questioning. Right. But at the same time, um, it, they were in too deep, basically. Like they had all these right. people just like following them blindly and they had all their money, you know. Right, right, and right, so right. they were like, well, now what? Right. So they kind of had to talk themselves into like, oh, no, 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 this is supposed to happen. So, right. So he basically changes the entire doctrine. It's like, don't worry. She went ahead and we're going to we're going to follow and we're going to meet her. Um, so don't worry about it. And they are like, OK, sure. And uh, they think basically at this point, they start to believe that she had left her earthly body to prepare the ship for their arrival. So mm. she's just like leading the way. Got it. Oh, boy. So. It's around this time that seven members of Heaven's Gate uh, and Herf himself travel to Mexico to be castrated. Okay. Yeah. And um, some sources state that this occurred only after an unsuccessful home castration. Oh, my God. Which led to a member's death. And oh they definitely discussed this process in the, the other podcast, Heaven's Gate. And uh, it is slightly disturbing. And Ooh. they even give a little warning to be like, just so you know, this is not going to make you feel great. Um, but so a lot of the members were like begging to be literally begging to be castrated because they were like, we're not allowed to have sex. We're like living in close quarters. We are trying to like resist our urges. Like we want them to be gone. Please wow. like let us be castrated. And so they were. Um so in the early 90s, uh, Heaven's Gate, whose members now include several computer programmers, start a company called Higher Sources, and that's they start creating websites. And um, thus, Heaven's Gate starts their own website, and it's built as a recruitment tool for other people to join. And in 1993, the group places a large advertisement for Heaven's Gate in USA Today. So now they're really like selling out, I guess. They're trying to get people wow. to join this cult. Um, and in 1995, at this point, they're living in a compound in New Mexico. And it's then that Herf hears that the Hale-Bopp comet was approaching. And this was like a huge deal in the 90s um, that Hale-Bopp was coming. And uh, two astronomers named Hale and Bopp had seen this comet. And uh, that's why it's named that. And it was just really, it's such a rare occurrence. And people on, you know, Earth were very excited about this. And so Herf just started to believe that this was the sign. This was associated with the arrival of the Tella and their harvest would begin. Mm. And this was kind of the sign of their ascension to come. And so in 1996, he sells their compound in New Mexico for $60,000. And he moves the group, which now has seven, uh, several dozen, sorry, several dozen disciples to a mansion in Rancho Santa Fe, San Diego County. Oh, And okay. uh, I know it's like now it's becoming, I mean, it really sounds like it's becoming a, uh, a reality show at this point. They like <laughs> move into a mansion and they're taking out ads in USA Today. Um, <laughs> and so they, uh, so they move into this mansion and in March of 1997, um, San Diego sheriffs receive a strange call. Uh, at first they believed it to be a prank, uh, but they followed up on the anonymous tip and they enter the mansion to find quite a disturbing sight. And it turns out that uh, Herf and his followers believed that 33 sh spaceships were arriving on the tail of the Hale-Bopp comet 
to graduate them so they could go to the next level. And Herf makes a decision that uh, everyone in the group was to take their own lives and die by suicide to leave their mammalian vessels behind so that wow. they could graduate together to meet Bonnie, to meet Doe uh, on the spaceship. Wow. And yeah, it, it's unclear whether he made that decision alone or whether the group came to a consensus, but either way, the decision was made and they started preparing. Um, what they did first was they cleansed themselves. They they spent anywhere from a week to three months on the master cleanse, which was no food. It was just water, cayenne pepper, and maple Holy syrup, shit. which to this day I have seen on actual diet websites. Wow. And uh, know people who have tried it, and it is not good for you, so please don't do that. <laughs> yeah. It really is like a, still a cleanse today. But they... If the people in Heaven's Gate did it, don't do Exa- it. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I always say. That's my, like, bar. That's M's in my bar for, like, what we're <laughs> like, allowed to would do. Would the Tele advise this? <laughs> would the Teletubbies advise this? Did you just say Teletubbies? Yeah. <laughs> I just got – I just put that together. That's kind of weird. Um yeah, so they do this master cleanse to kind of prepare them, them, their bodies, and then they create these special uniforms that have become very famous uh, as part of this uh, Heaven's Gate story, and they're black tracksuits with Nike Decades sneakers, and the tracksuits have a specially made patch on the sleeve that says Away Team, which is a reference to Star Trek. Wow. And... um in a strange coincidence, among the 39 members of Heaven's Gate at this time is the estranged brother of Nichelle Nichols, who played actually one of the officers in the original Star Trek series. Get out. So her estranged brother was in this group wearing a Star Trek badge and believing that he was going to ascend in actual Star Trek fashion. Jeez. Um, yeah, it's just a really weird coincidence. Um, they actually... It, purchase this is real alien abduction insurance policies for each member okay and uh, apparently this is a real thing called niche insurance um and apparently it's similar to the idea of mariah carey insuring her legs okay uh this is like a real thing you can do is buy uh <laughs> specifically alien abduction insurance which we should get on that um, i mean the fact um, that we have it we should we should consider like exorcism like demon insurance too. Actually, that's probably like paranormal. Yeah, I think we do. They have like uh like a group policy that'll um like a a bundle deal maybe like anything like a family plan ex- like a family plan a family plan and like let's bundle home auto extraterrestrial and demon all you in one it. for you discounts. Okay, Eva, <laughs> write that down. Okay, uh, <laughs> each member at this point, makes an exit tape in which they say their goodbyes to the human world. But in each video, they're super joyful, they're lucid, they're content with their plan. Um, It's, like, really alarming. Yeah. Yeah, very creepy. And uh, Herf himself makes a nearly 90-minute exit video. And in his video, he says they will not be committing suicide, quote-unquote, but instead they will be ascending to a higher plane of existence that suicide is staying ignorant in a world that will be recycled in 2027. And instead, they're not taking their own lives. They are leaving their bodies to go to a better life, basically. Wow. And you said 2021 we were supposed to be recycled? 2027. So uh, we're not there yet. Yeah. We'll find out, though. It certainly looks like like the world is on its way to that. 
I was going to say, we're not uh, in bad shape now, uh, according to their whole belief system. It seems like pretty on track. Um, <laughs> it seems like only six years away from an annihilation. Just at this point, right. Recycled, the earth recycled. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they have their own Last Supper. And get this, it's at Marie Calendars, because why not? <laughs> <laughs> Mine too, by the way. I know, ours is at Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and they had all they all ate the same thing, which actually after this like month long cleanse is probably really exciting. They had oh, yeah. um, iced tea, a small salad, a turkey pot pie and blueberry cheesecake. So they all had the that exact same great. meal. I know. And the waiter said that none of them seemed distraught. They were all very polite, like nothing seemed off. They were having a great time together. Um, and so her at this point FedExes packages to several former Heaven's Gate members um including some people he thinks of as friends and that one of them is a bbc journalist and these packages contain the vhs tapes that have uh, copies of everyone's exit videos and a letter that says we have exited our vehicles just as we entered them Ugh. and so basically these packages like so goose cammy were not supposed to arrive until after this act had taken place so that by the time they arrived it was too late for anyone to do anything Oh my gosh. Um, so on March 23rd, 1997, the Heaven's Gate cult members and their leader, Marshall Applewhite Herf, packed their suitcases, put a $5 bill and three quarters in one pocket and their IDs in the other. And then they began what they called their metamorphosis. So they ate, uh, they were 15 of them at this point who had agreed to go through with this. They ate a mixture of phenobarbital mixed with applesauce, followed by a chaser of vodka. Then they laid down in their beds and put plastic bags over their heads. <gasps> yeah. Uh, and oh, my gosh. W- once the 15 of them passed away, officially, two female members cleaned up the scene, posed the bodies in a uniform, dignified position, kind of with arms crossed, like how you would, or sorry, arms to your side, like how you would lay in a casket, basically, and uh, covered the bodies with purple shrouds. And uh, purple was actually Doe's favorite color. It's unclear if that's why the shrouds were purple, but it's possible. Um, And so on March 24th, the second group of 15 do the same as the first. So there was they split them in half, basically. So the first half uh, took their own lives. And then the second half, the day after, did the same. And um, just as the day before, the same two female members cleaned up, covered the bodies with the shrouds. And finally, on the third day, March 25th, the final group of nine took their lives as the 30 before them had. And um, even though the first 15 had agreed to start the process, the remaining continued it just like their predecessors. Nobody backed out. Um, And Herf himself was the third to last to take his life so that the final so that the two female members could clean up again. Um, then they themselves uh, took the applesauce place bags over their heads and they were the only ones who were not cleaned, positioned and shrouded because that was their task. Wow. And um, that's how they were found in their mansion. Uh, very disturbing sight, I imagine. Um, probably quite traumatizing. Holy crap. And the way they were discovered. So one of uh, so this guy named Rio D'Angelo, who lived in L.A., received his package and um, he understood what the hell this package meant. So he asked his boss to drive him from L.A. to uh, the mansion in San Diego. He took a video camera with him 
and because he, he knew what was going on. He was a former member. And he recorded as he entered the mansion from an unlocked door. He recorded the scene. He called out for anyone. Nobody responded. Then he returned to his boss. He said, call the police. And they made an anonymous tip to the sheriff's office. Uh, this is when the sheriffs believed this was just a prank. Um, so they responded to the mansion to do a welfare check based on this tip. And that is when they discover the 39 bodies already decomposing in the warm weather. Shit. And they check for any sign of life. They find none. And they begin an investigation. Wow. So, yikes. Also, like, by the way, like, if I were, um, if I, like, had any doubts, I would have volunteered real quick to be one of those two women who, like, who cleaned up. And then I just wouldn't have done anything after everyone left. Yeah, but I mean. I'm surprised that they were really that convicted, you know. I mean, yeah, they were welcome to leave, you know. Like, nobody was chaining them there. Like, you know, if they didn't want to do it they could have left but uh nobody i really thought that was going to be the the ending to this though of like oh and then one of them decided it was they didn't want to do it no there are actually remaining members but i will get to that um the yeah the two women who were kind of the caretakers they uh they were so convicted that they wanted to help everyone else get to the other side before they did themselves which Mm. is just really sad um so Basically, they find they the sheriff's department enters the house. They find this situation. They get a search warrant to begin the investigation. And the aftermath of the mass suicide was that all 39 members, 21 women and 18 men of Heaven's Gate who took their lives were cremated. Within a year of the Heaven's Gate mass suicide, as it was called uh, in the press, three members and former members would take their own lives um, on their own account. Wow. With the hopes of joining uh, their me- other members. Wow. Yeah. So um, they basically felt like they were not left behind, but they were like, oh, no, I wanted to go too. So they took their own lives thinking, oh, I'll do this and then I will be able to join my fellow members. Got it. Okay. One member uh, who expresses deep regret for not joining the 39 when interviewed in a documentary about the cult. He tried uh, to take his life twice um, before he was successful. And uh, another copycat suicide occurred in Northern California. Um, This becomes like such a, obviously a huge story in the press. Uh, There's an SNL sketch uh, kind of gallows humor starts taking over. There's um, a top 10 list on David Letterman's show and an early version of the meme. Um, It's a photo of one of the bodies or, I'm sorry, it's a photo of the bodies and then with the Nikes, like, in the picture. And it says, right. just did it, you know, like. Yeah. And obviously, Nike at this point had a huge PR issue on their hands. Right. They're like, our shoes really had to use our fucking shoes. Um, oh, I can't imagine. Like, I'm sure they were really proud of those shoes, too. And then nobody wanted to buy yeah. them. Or everyone wanted to buy them for the wrong reason. Or that, right. And so they were called Nike Decades. They were removed from the market and, like you said, are now considered a collector's item, which, you know, I can see why people collect weirder things than that. Um, right. And then in 1999, San Diego County holds an auction for the items left behind by Heaven's Gate. And uh, there are two remaining members, and their names are Mark and Sarah King, and they try to stop the auction. They settled by paying $2,000 to retrieve anything significant to their beliefs, as well as any intellectual property. Uh, And the Heaven's Gate website 
in all its mid-90s glory is still alive um, and is supposedly being maintained by the two surviving members, the Kings. And uh, I'm on the website right now. It's called heavensgate.com. It uh, is very 90s. It has like a little space star background. It has a little <laughs> a little graphic that says red alert uh, at oh the boy. top. Yeah. And it basically uh, gives you a little overview. Has a really cool like word art uh, logo. Love a good word art. Love a good word art. Um, it says, uh, I'm just going to read one little bit from from the website. It says, If you study the material on this website, you will hopefully understand our joy and what our purpose here on Earth has been. You may even find your boarding pass to leave with us during this brief window. We are so very thankful that we have been recipients of this opportunity to prepare for membership in their kingdom and to experience their boundless caring and nurturing. Hmm. And then they have a lot of uh, additional transcripts and um, their like belief systems and links to their hard copy of their book that you can order it it's just uh yeah it's a little disturbing so um, and remind me again how did they so what was the story behind how hef herf how herf yeah how he came to or how um him and bonnie came to like learn the secret information about like tella and all that or did they just make it fucking up yeah, they just fucking made it up. Okay. Uh, I know if they have like, inspiration or anything. Well, remember how Bonnie said she was being spoken to by oh, um, yes. a monk? She also believed that she was being spoken to by extraterrestrials right. who told her that she would meet Herf and that they would like forge this path together. And so she basically believed this was being this information was being like given to her from extraterrestrial beings. Right, right, right. So that she could lead the new you know, generation of uh, souls. Right, she to was, the, she was the chosen one to, to leave the way. Right. No, totally. I just totally forgot about the, uh, her hearing voices and stuff. I would, I would prefer you memorize all of this <laughs> by the end of the episode, but I guess that's okay. Nah. <laughs> this is one of the times that I'll probably be pleased. I don't remember what we talked about <laughs> in an episode because it just right. really fucks with your head. Um. Okay. Let's see. So, uh, right. So the Kings are believed to be uh, running this website still. Um, Many of the items were purchased and are currently displayed at the Museum of Death in Hollywood. Uh, So I guess, have you been to that one, Em? Yes, the Museum of Death. I've been to both of them. I went to the one in New Orleans, too. Yeah, okay. So apparently a lot of the items are at the one in Hollywood. Yes, there are. Um, And then the auction raised over $32,000 and it was put toward the funeral expenses. Um, And it's really tragic because a lot of these people's families hadn't heard from them in years, didn't know if they were okay, and then turned on the news and said, isn't that the group that so-and-so my son was in or, you know, whatever, and had to find out that way, which is really tragic. Oh, my gosh. Um, Heaven's Gate continued to be – and actually, you know, a lot of the argument about it, too, is – they they were very happy they died in like a very peaceful quote-unquote way according to their you know videos uh but they they were happy to do it they were excited but you know then you think about all the chaos and destruction they left behind in their families' lives and in their friends right. lives and so um i mean i guess like yeah if you're gonna die like i'm i'm glad that you died in a, in the your best way possible right. but still you also didn't have to die. Yeah, like, you yeah, know. Exactly. And it took, it took, it put a lot of people, it added a lot of pain to the earth. Um, right. 
despite how insistent they were that this was a good thing. Um, so Heaven's Gate uh, continues to be quite an enigma, uh, so to say, among cults. Uh, scholars debate whether or not they had free will within the group. Um, you know, it's discussed whether brainwashing is a real thing, uh, whether, you know, how that actually works, whether uh, any of the members were ever intimidated, which it's believed they were not. Um, they were always allowed to leave if they wanted to with no repercussions. Uh, you know, whether Herf himself was just that effective in persuading them. It's it's debated, like, how much say the members had in this final decision. Right. Um, they could, they could, most of them could maintain their normal jobs if they wanted. And, I mean, personally, I think that's probably because they needed money. <laughs> like, the group needed to have some right, sort of right. income. Um a lot of them were cut off from their family members. Uh, others weren't. So it's kind of unclear like how that happened. Um, and reportedly the families who were cut off had attempted um, to remove the their family members. They actually kind of created a group. This one woman created a group of people who also had their family members taken away by this cult and tried to get them back. But um, the cult members would not go home. Uh, at least most of them didn't. And for all intents and purposes, they were pretty much normal, quote unquote, people. A lot of them had good jobs, degree, like good degrees, um, families. They just left everything behind. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, it's unclear how they were persuaded, but Herf and Bonnie must have just I, been that yeah. convincing, I guess. Um, and most people agree that uh, Herf and Bonnie genuinely believed in what they preached. They, it wasn't like a money making scheme, you know. Or like a, a money-hungry power play or anything like that, as a lot of cults right. are. Um, but it's it's believed that they actually truly believed in it themselves. Um, and presently, nowadays, there are between four and eight members of Heaven's Gate, including the kings who run the website. And they, I know, and they fully believe this. And they, they're one of them was interviewed in the other show, podcast, and they believe that like their time will come to, you know enter the next level and meet up with Bonnie and the others. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so it's still kind of going on today and you can see the website at heavensgate.com. Please don't join it, but you can look at it. Um, Please do not join it at all. And that is the story of Heaven's Gate. Oof. Awesome. <laughs> you did quite, excellent. Quite a big episode, M, that we did today. Oh my gosh. I know. I don't think either of us planned for it to be this no. bananas, but this was big stuff. I'm glad we're only recording one today because I think if we did two, our brains would explode. I'd be mentally wiped for sure. <laughs> I think we're going to have weird ass dreams. We should probably journal them tonight just to A see thousand what happens. Percent. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Hopefully this made you feel better. I know. <laughs> I mean, I guess it at least distracted you, hopefully, from everything else that's happening right now. I uh, I do want to say I was, uh, I guess, I guess starred on Eva's podcast this week. That's I was right. Not I was on Paranormal Captivity, if you guys want to go listen to Eva's podcast. I cannot wait to listen. We were talking about, all three of us were talking about the book Benicula a lot. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, on tour we kept talking about it. I kept it. saying that that was like my my dream book that like back when I actually wanted to read. And I probably have like trauma from Benicula and that's why I don't like to read anymore. Because I desperately wanted to get it from the library and it was always signed out. <laughs> and so... I actually read a book. I read Benicula for for 
or Eva's show to catch myself up. And it was a hundred pages, which meant I cried for a hundred minutes. And that's a big deal. It's a big I'm deal. I'm so proud of you. And, uh, but so I talk about it on Eva's podcast. So you can go listen to that at Paranormal Captivity. I am so excited. Um, I have not listened yet, but I'm going to today. And um, I will be on a future episode also, but I have not heard what book we're reading yet. So gotcha. Well, I will update you when that happens. All right. (sighs) Well, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, This has been very fun and very disturbing as usual. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I miss you, Em, and I cannot wait till someday. Uh, Oh my God. My Siri got went off and I said, uh, this is disturbing. And she said, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) yeah you fucking should be Uh, anyway (laughs) i miss you too all right well oh you better anyway uh check in with us next week we'll see what part two has in store for everybody the lemurians at the very least you'll be hearing about i can't wait and all right that's why we drink we did it yay (laughs) 